0: What's up, guys?
1: Hey, welcome to today's show.
0: Thank you for joining us on the Relationship Podcast. We have a first-time topic for today's show where we welcome Victoria Shaw, who is a psychologist and licensed professional counselor who combines her training in counseling and psychology with her intuitive gifts. And I gotta be honest, the first time I hear someone say, you know, I'm tapping into my intuition and my intuitive gifts, I think woo woo and crystals and uh, crystals, you know, <laughs> you know, just things that are a little woo woo okay. to describe yeah. them. Yeah. But Sarah and I are very much open to different ideas and perspectives. And the reality is, is, A lot of this is grounded in science, and what we talk about is intuition and how to tap into our intuition, that inner voice of what it is that we want. And and then if we're able to do that and communicate it with our partner, we'll be in a much better place. And I really enjoyed talking to Victoria about ways that we can do it and ways that she uses it with her clients.
1: For me, a lot of it felt very similar to the concept of mindfulness and being mindful in relationships. So it's just another perspective and another way to look at it. And if we have a variety of tools to implement in our relationship, then it just gives us more chances of success.
0: Absolutely. And as always, we really appreciate you guys listening, telling your friends and family, leaving us reviews on iTunes. That is what helps us keep doing this because... The more people that listen, the more we can get uh, sponsors to support the show, which helps pay for the audio equipment, the editing, the website, all of the time that Sarah is putting into making this happen. I just get to do the fun stuff of talking with our guests and then <laughs> Sarah's in the back room.
1: That stuff is fun for me though. So.
0: <laughs> but if, if you guys are you know, telling people and your friends and family, we we really do appreciate that because we get those subscribers and allows us to keep doing these awesome interviews. And uh, so just know that we appreciate each and every one of you.
1: Enjoy the show. Hi, Victoria. Thanks for joining us on the show today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited.
0: We thought it would be an interesting conversation to have to talk about your unique training and background as a psychologist and counselor, but then how you use your intuitive gifts in your practice. And I'd love for you to talk about that experience and also how we as individuals can tap into our own intuition to better know ourselves and bring that into the relationship. So maybe you could start with your experience in bringing your intuitive gifts into the work that you do.
2: Absolutely. Thanks. That's a great question. So for me, my training, um, I was originally a psychologist and I did research um, and then took some time off, um, had a family, um, hung out with my kids, did all that good stuff. And then about 10 years ago, a little more than 10 years ago, I kept getting the call that I needed to do more, that I needed to go back to work, that there was something I needed to do that I wasn't really doing yet. And um, I didn't feel like I wanted to go back to the research part. Um, but I also kept hearing the call that I needed to awaken my intuition. And I've been working with you know, coaches and people for years and people throughout my life would always tell me, you're so intuitive, you're so insightful. Um, but I never really thought about it. And then about 10, or, 10 years ago or so, I really was getting that call strongly from everyone. And um, so I did a couple of things. One, I started meditating and that meditation practice was huge because it cleared my mind and it really sort of helped me tap into my own inner resources and my own inner wisdom. Um, and when we meditate and we're really present and we clear our minds, that's when we hear our inner guidance. Um, Because your mind is actually the noise around your inner guidance. Um, And then I also did a lot of things to specifically, I did different trainings and different practices um, to awaken and tune into my intuition. And I I also did a lot of self-help work. And what I realized is that I'd been intuitive my whole life and I'd known these things my whole life. But because I had so much mental, emotional noise going on, I wasn't able to access it. And as the gift developed, I also realized that my calling was to help other people follow the path that I had followed and really help other people, you know, work on their own mental and emotional baggage, so to speak, so they can clear the decks and tap into their own inner wisdom. So that's a lot of what I do in my practice.
1: For our listeners and for me, can you talk about what it means to follow your intuition? Like, what is that?
2: (laughs) Yeah, that's a very good question. So the way I think about it, I think about my intuition is like your spiritual GPS system. So it's just, I think the way I think about it is from a spiritual perspective, like it connects me with my higher self, with my soul. But you don't have to think of it that way. And when I first started teaching this, I didn't really go to a very spiritual um, perspective because really everyone has intuition. And I like to think of intuition as just that, that inner knowing, that inner wisdom, and everyone's had an experience with it. So, um, you know, it can be as simple as having that sense of who's on the phone before you pick up to, you know, getting insights. When I met my husband and the man I'm now married to, he wasn't my husband at the time, obviously, but when I first met my husband, I knew I was going to marry him on our second date. And I was not into this intuition thing at all at that point, but I just knew it. And, you know, we've been married almost 25 years. Um, and lots of people have those kinds of experiences um intuition can also even be like psychic experience but it doesn't really have to be much of it is just really mundane mundane down to earth those kind of gut feelings um sometimes it's like a full body sense of knowing like i had with my when i met my husband um also when i was pregnant with my daughter it was another time again wasn't really thinking about intuition so much back then but i knew i was having a girl and it was just a full body knowing it wasn't a thought. It wasn't a preference. And it was such a knowing that when I had my ultrasound, um, I asked the technician without realizing it, what sex was she? And he just kind of looked at me and he was like, yeah, she's a girl. <laughs> um, and I think, but I think we all have those kinds of experiences. Does that, and, any other questions or does that? No, that, yeah, that, for me, that's very
1: clear. And I feel like I've always kind of used the saying, like, listen to your gut. And I'm, I'm assuming that's kind of the same feeling of listen to yourself and your intuition, your
2: gut. Yeah, absolutely. And, and gut feelings, I mean, intuition speaks to us in different ways. So for, I think the most common ones are actually body sensations where people will have a feeling, you know, people can have a feeling in their gut, like, oh, this is a good idea or some, you know, will feel sometimes expansive in your body, or this is a bad idea, you know, will feel like a stomach ache. I once, when I was starting my journey, um, was looking for a teacher and I looked at the local natural awakenings magazine and I picked some lady randomly and I called her knowing nothing about her and saying, you know, could you be my teacher? And she was totally excited. She's like, yes, I can be your teacher. It'll be great. And on the conversation, I got the worst headache of my life. I mean, my head was pounding like, It came on all of a sudden, talked to her for a few more minutes, got off the phone, and I was like very clear, nope, she was not going to be my teacher. So, you know, our bodies are a great source of of wisdom for a lot of us. Um, And other people just will have a sense of knowing Well, you'll just know something. Some people hear their guidance, so it's like a voice in your head, but it sounds usually kind of calmer, clearer, um, more wise. So there are many different ways. Some people get visions where they see things happening in more of a visual form. So I think people experience their intuition in many different ways. And um, you can awaken all of these, but usually it's best to start with what comes naturally to you.
0: So I want to talk about and dive into when our intuition might be off. Uh, But before we get into that, I definitely respect the, the... I guess spirituality aspect of tapping into this, and what was interesting uh, when I read your bio is that you have cl- you're classically trained, and as a psychologist, you're doing research. So to me, it's kind of this intersection of of spiritual, in a more derogatory sense, that is sometimes described as woo woo. Yep. And so I think that's such an interesting intersection because I tend to be very rational and, you know, show me the facts, Uh, but I'm also open to the possibility that there's a lot that we don't understand. And to me, tapping into your intuition, like there is hard science about things like this, like the unconscious mind and that we are actually making processes before we're even aware of them consciously. Like, so maybe you can talk a little bit about that confirmation bias comes into this. So how do you think about these things uh, from more of like a materialistic, rational standpoint?
2: That is such a good question, um, especially given my, my background. And it's funny because um, my very first research project was on unconscious uh, memory and how we know things that we're not conscious of before. I mean, exactly what you said. That was my undergraduate uh, thesis. Um, so, yeah, but I've obviously come a long way from there. Uh, the first thing I would like to say is there's actually a lot of good research on ev- and on the spiritual piece, not spiritual, but on intuition as a mode of understanding, even on psychic phenomenon. There's really good repl- replicatable research. Um, it's just, I think that, you know, because a lot of people don't believe in that or it just seems too out there for them, it's hard for them to kind of incorporate the research, but there actually is good scientific research, I would say some of the research is as good or better than some of the stuff that I did with, you know, in psychology when I was at Princeton. Um, so it's there, and you can find it. Um, but in terms of the psychological sort of aspect of how intuition works, I do believe that a lot of our knowing is unconscious, and I believe that um, consciousness is sort of the tip of the, what you're aware of, your linear logical mind is sort of the tip of the iceberg of your awareness. And so we know things like one of my favorite studies um, also back to when I was an undergrad a very long time ago was a paper by um, Nisbet and Wilson. And um, they talked about how oftentimes when you ask people to analyze how they make decisions, their decisions get worse. So if you just let them sort of, you know, make a choice, they do better than if they overanalyze it or think about it too much. And their reasoning was the reason this happened is because people don't actually know why they make decisions and so much of it's unconscious and the conscious mind is not always helpful in um, supporting that process. And I think that speaks a little bit to how intuition works. Intuition is, it becomes conscious when we, when we put our minds to it, but it's not a logical linear process. Um, I think it's better than logical linear mind. I think personally that our logical mind should be in service of our intuition and not the other way around. Um, but I do think that these two, that body of research that you're talking about dovetails really nicely with the idea of intuition, but I also do believe personally that intuition is something more. And I do think that it is, it does come from a higher place. Um, And again, that's not something that we can really verify scientifically. I don't think that we really need to. But again, it works either way. So whether you want to take a spiritual perspective or not, you can do all the same stuff and get the benefits of your intuition. And I really honor people. There's a lot of people that are doing research on this. That's fantastic.
0: How can we tap into our intuition and how can that improve our relationships?
2: Great question. Let me start with talking about how we can tap into our intuition. Um, And there's lots of, again, lots of different ways because intuition comes to us in lots of different forms. But I think the first thing is learning to still the mind because the mind is really the antithesis of your intuition. And there's nothing wrong with your mind. And your mind is great for elucidating facts and understanding things. But when it comes to tuning into your inner guidance, it's really just noise. So practices like meditation um, are fantastic. People often my, um, people often find things like being in the shower, being in a bath. My advisor at Princeton would always say, he was a very creative, intuitive guy, and he would always say when we would get to a hard problem and we'd get kind of stuck, he would say, and he had a, was a British guy, so he had this, this sweet British accent, he'd be like, you know, that's one to think about in the bath. And I always used to joke, my, <laughs> "This man must take so many baths." But what he <laughs> meant was that—that's one to toss up to your intuition. Um, and so people also find walking in nature. I have clients that find repetitive exercises like going. I love to go for a walk when I'm when I'm mulling something over and I want to hear my guidance. Um, sometimes when I'm writing, blogging, I actually walk with a tape recorder and I just wait to see what comes through. Um, running. A lot of people hear their intuition that way. So anything that gets you out of your mind is going to help you to tap into your intuition. And then the other piece is just learning to sort of be open to it and start to develop that trusting relationship. Um, Because intuition is like a muscle. The more you use it, the more you pay attention to it, the more it happens. So just by making that agreement that I'm going to start to tune into my intuition more, it will develop naturally and normally just because you're paying attention to it and you're sort of flexing the muscle. And a lot of times people will tell me, you know, I I had this great intuition and I knew it was my gut said to do something. and I did the other thing and it's so annoying. Those are the best moments if you can go back in your life and look at the moments where you had an instinct or an intuition and you did the other thing and you realized it wasn't the right choice, people sometimes think, Oh my God, I made a terrible mistake. That's so bad. But actually it is the best validation that your gut instinct was working and that you you did hear your intuition. So I love those moments because those are the moments more than anything else that tell us, Oh well, yeah, I do have this guidance. Cause oftentimes if you act on it, you know, and things go well, you don't have that same feedback. So you know, and we've all had those experiences when you just knew in your gut it wasn't the right choice and you did it anyway and then you were like, oh man. So I think in a relationship, a lot of times we do get stuck in our minds. We get stuck in our stories. We get stuck in he said, she said. We get stuck in um, our, our own personal past. Path. A lot of people bring their own unresolved childhood gunk to the relationship and then, you know, they project it onto their spouse. And when I do couples work, um that's most of what I see as the problem. Intuition can get you past all that. Intuition you can use it to say what are my real needs here. Intuition is like just that sort of um clear clear voice that clear guidance that kind of cuts through all that muck. So as couples learn to develop their intuitive sense, they're really tapping able to tap into their really truest deepest needs and wants. Um and and get away from that kind of monkey mind kind of, um, emotional baggage that we all bring to relationships. Um, you can also use your intuition, you know, in making joint decisions as a couple, you can use your intuition in learning how to communicate. Sometimes just, you know, words that are spoken from a point of stillness can be way more powerful than words spoken from, you know, an agitated, angry, state where you're just, you know, recycling your resentments and angers and frustrations. And sometimes when you can just really take that moment to tune in, check in with yourself and hear what your, you know, your soul is trying to communicate, which your inner self is trying to communicate, you know, magical things can happen. And your partner too will respond to you on that level. And that's when real communication and real connection happens
0: this seems to run in line with mindfulness and you know just being present and in tune with yourself and the more we're able to do that the more clearly we can communicate with our partner what we want how we feel and you mentioned the things we bring from childhood it's like having an awareness being in in touch with our intuition allows us to I think, like you said, like all this chaos, all this noise, it's going to be there, but to sort through it and go, okay, what is it that I really want? And and if we can get towards that, uh, then we'll be in a better place. But man, sometimes I think I want one thing and then the reality is uh, that's not going to be what makes me happy. And that's probably where someone like yourself can come in and and help me (laughs) sort through that. Is that something you do with your clients?
2: Absolutely. And I have the gift to be able to help people, you know, know, help people kind of cut through the BS and find what they really want, what they're really experiencing. And also I have the ability, um, it's a sixth sense and I think lots of therapists have it and don't always just call it what I call it, but to see what, you know, what they're bringing from the past, what where the noise is and help them work on that as well. Um, And I love working with people too, because sometimes I love working with people. I was going to say, you know, not everyone is a verbalizer. I'm a very verbal person. I love to talk. I process through talking. And that is really what therapy is made for is people like me. But sometimes I work with people that are not so good at verbalizing and they're not so good at, that's just not how they process. And so the intuition is great for that too, because I can help them find those words and we put the words on the table and we work with them there. Um, So intuition can do that. So I can do that as well with people. And sometimes too, again, when you're in your noisy mind and you're just spinning around, he did this and she did this, and this is so terrible. And I don't know why he always does that. And we can kind of fill that and bring out what's really going on. um, Everything quiets down and you get to the heart of the matter really, really quickly. So it saves a lot of time and it saves a lot of drama.
0: So, what would be some questions or exercises you would take a client through who is trying to cut through the noise? Like, could you give us some examples? Let's take a break to talk about today's sponsors. Today's episode is brought to you by Plan to Eat.
1: Meal planning and grocery shopping used to be so time-consuming and stressful, really. And in the past, before Plan to Eat, I would try to convince Chase to eat out pretty much every every meal.
0: Way too much. Way, <laughs> way. We killing the bank account.
1: <laughs> way too much. It would take me so much time to find new recipes and then write all the recipes down. And then inevitably, I would give the grocery list to Chase and there would be quite a few things that would come back missing or oh, not. Oh,
0: come on. Not, not I would on get the most list. of it.
1: Okay, okay.
0: Well, <laughs> if I use plan to eat, it would have helped me. You know, it was born from their desire to eat real food, not always at restaurants. That's true. Mm-hmm. And prepared at home. And it's also an amazing tool to help you prepare delicious, wholesome food that nourishes both the body and the soul.
1: So this is how it works. It's pretty amazing. So listen up. Plan to eat is a subscription service that gives you the tools to clip and organize recipes from any website, literally any website, create a meal plan, and then their software automatically creates an organized shopping list based on your plan. It is so amazing. I can literally take a recipe from anywhere, copy and paste that, into my plan to eat. Just it, the link. Literally just the link. It's pretty amazing. And then it will pull all the ingredients and put it into my shopping
0: list. It's the future of grocery (laughs) shopping. (laughs) And your wife won't yell at you for missing stuff.
1: I I know because it's so (laughs) clear and organized. My handwriting is pretty bad, so I don't blame you.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And with your subscription, you can access your meal plans and shopping lists on your desktop and their mobile app, and they have a full-time support team to help you get started and answer any questions you may have. Plan to Eat offers monthly and yearly options for four ninety five a month or thirty nine dollars a year. That's only seventy five cents a week. Less than a dollar. We are good at math.
1: Mm-hmm. No, actually, we're not even that good. It's they tell Sarah us. wrote it out. I wrote we it didn't out. Do
0: that math. <laughs> they also include a free, fully functional thirty day trial with no payment required, so you can easily see if it's right for you.
1: Plan to Eat has one big sale year and it's coming up. You can purchase a single yearly subscription at 50% off, but only during November 29th through December 2nd. If you're new to Plan to Eat, visit slash I do and you can start a free 60 day trial instead of their normal 30 day trial. And you can still purchase a subscription during the Black Friday sale. Your subscription will begin at the end of your trial. Again, visit plantoeat.com slash I do and start your free 60 day trial.
0: Today's episode is also brought to you by The Pill Club.
1: If you're on birth control, remembering to take your pill is already enough work. I remember I would always mess mine up every month.
0: And that's why we have a (laughs) four-year-old.
1: That's why we have a (laughs) four-year-old. Just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) So going back to that, remembering to take it, going to the doctors to get a refill and picking up the pharmacy is a huge pain. And Pill Club wants to take the work out of taking care of yourself. Pill Club is a birth control subscription that is delivered straight to your door, and most prescriptions are free with insurance or Medicaid, and without insurance, they can be as low as three ninety nine dollars a month. Shipping is always free and discreet, and Pill Club schedules deliveries so that you always have your next dose on hand before you need it. So skip the office visit and the line at the pharmacy and join the club.
0: Right now when you go to thepillclub dot com slash I do, they're offering our listeners a new way to get birth control and special care package with every delivery. That's the pillclub dot com slash I do to get your first birth control care package. Remember thepillclub.com slash I do.
2: Sometimes for me, it's energetic. So, and this this is true of couples too. When you can regulate yourself emotionally, when you can be in that calm, present state, you bring that out in other people. So, you know, I meditate before every client and I always try to bring that energy of presence into my sessions because when I do, that helps my clients become more present as well. And when we're present with ourselves, we can hear our inner guidance. And we connect to the truer, part, the truer parts of ourselves. So that was, that's the first thing that I do is just, you know, be mindful of doing that myself because that, that naturally helps others. I also sometimes will, will do visualizations with people. Um, and I teach, my favorite one is grounding. A grounding visualization is just imagining yourself in your physical body connected to the earth. Um, When we are in our brains, when we are thinking a lot, when we are moting a lot, um, we tend to be in our heads. And when you take a moment to really breathe and experience yourself in your body, and sometimes, you know, feeling your bottom on the chair, feeling your feet on the floor, feeling yourself rooted into the earth, feeling your abdomen and your energy in your abdomen, um, all of these things can help us bring us back into our bodies and calm us down. And again, help us to get out of our minds and hear our inner guidance. Um, it also helps you tap into your feelings in a truer sense, because a lot of times our emotions are really caught up with our thoughts. And so you have a feeling and then you think yourself around it and you're spinning and you're, the feeling is not really getting heard and your needs aren't really getting met. And so when we can turn down the mind a little bit and become a little more present with our feelings, they usually reveal themselves and move on much more quickly. And, you know, it also feelings are great ways in relationships and not in relationships to sort of know where you're at and what you need. And so it's good to tune into them without overthinking them so they can, they can um, share their message with us.
0: I'm definitely guilty of overthinking things and being in my head. I'll, I'll be (laughs) trying to figure something out or, frustrated. And sometimes I feel like a crazy person. Cause like literally one minute it's like, Oh, this is what I need to do. And that'll be what makes me happy. And the next it's like the complete opposite. And it's like this chaos is the best way to describe it. So if I can pause and take right. some time to be present to like, you're saying, get out of your head, you can get a lot more clarity but, but that's a practice and, and it's not like a switch either. Um, but certainly, you know, we, we started going to therapy finally, Sarah and I, um, uh, about a month ago. And that's just been super valuable because I'm definitely someone that processes things out loud. And it's like, it's almost like I can get these things out of my head and into the, into reality and in just doing that, um, they're more manageable.
2: Yeah. And I think therapy at its best is like that, where we just are able to set that stage for letting stuff, letting stuff come to the surface. And sometimes, you know, you don't know what's going on until you hear yourself say it. Um, And that too can be your intuition. But you said something else that I think is important about, you know, when we overthink, when we're spinning, just the first step is just notice that it's happening. Because lots of people live their whole lives just spinning around in their heads, and they don't ever take that step back and say, hmm, is this comfortable? Is this, is this real? Is this helping me? And so just when you notice that you're kind of at that emotional, mental impasse and you're spinning and you take a step, even if you just take that step back and you get right back into it and you take a step back and you get right back into it because it's a practice, but those moments of awareness, those moments of presence in the middle of the storm are where you build more presence and where you're going to be able to start to shift those patterns and start to find more peace and more calm and more presence and get to the real to your intuition and the real like heart of the the issue and and the solutions that you that you crave that you want. So the first step is just to recognize that you're there and then just take a step back and sometimes it's really easy to Just, you know, with clients, they'll come in and I'll see that they're spinning. And when someone's spinning like that, it's it's very hard to read them because to me, and again, this is my sixth sense, but it just looks like a bunch of smoke. (laughs) And so I have to help them clear the smoke or wait for the smoke to clear. And I will just tell people, you know, we need to pause right now. Nothing good is going to come of this right now. Or or sometimes I just let them go because they just want to vent and that's fine too. But then as they start to settle down, I'll bring their attention to that and how much better that feels. And then, you know, we start to make a new place from there. And if they start spinning again, that's fine. We just keep coming back to center. So it's just like a meditation. If you've ever meditated where you watch your thoughts and you might have a moment of, you know, peace from the thoughts or, and then they, they, they bring you back again. And then you come back to center and you keep practicing that. And the more you practice it, the easier it gets to find that center.
1: Are there certain personality types that have an easier time tapping into their intuition or finding that center? Oh, that's a good question. I guess what I'm going with is more like it, are introverts, is it easier for them to tap into versus extroverts because they're generally more in their head or is that just, you know...
2: Is that, does that not make sense? <laughs> I, no, it does make yeah. sense. I think introverts, I know lots of um, extroverted people who are also very intuitive, um, but I do think introverts have a little bit of an advantage there, just again, because they're more naturally introspective. But then again, introspective p- people also tend to overthink. So it's, it's, where you're, it's what you're tapping into when you're going inside. Um, I think people that are very sensitive and empathic tend to be more naturally intuitive, um, but yeah, I don't know if there's any particular personality trait. I think it partially has to do with our upbringing. Um, I know some people um whose this is not my experience, but um people that come from families that are very open to intuition and talk about it a lot and normalize it, I think it's easier for them to tap in. Um because most of us are very intuitive as children and then by the time we're like 7 or 8, we've lost it because society and the world doesn't doesn't you know they teach us how not to be intuitive? They teach you how to be in your mind and how to be a linear thinker, and, and they don't really teach you how to be intuitive, and um, so most kids lose it by that point. Um, but families that are supportive of intuition and talk about intuition and and normalize it can go a long way to keeping that gift alive for kids. So I think that's a real factor, and I also think that again people that are very sensitive. And I would say maybe introverted, but again, it depends. And have that kind of sixth sense and um, for the world do tend to um, be more intuitive. But again, I know lots of very extroverted people. I know lots of even some people that are not sensitive at all who are super super intuitive and know how to access their inner wisdom. So um, there's no hard and hard and fast rules there.
0: How can we encourage? Uh, we have a four-year-old. How can we encourage her to stay in touch with her intuition? But along the same lines, how could we encourage a partner to uh, get in touch with their intuition?
2: Okay. So I'll ask the partner question first. I'll answer the partner question first. I'm we'll go back to the kid question because they're a little bit different. I think with a partner, and um, fir- actually with kids too, the first thing is I would lead by example. Because when you do something and your partner or your children see it working, they will very most likely follow suit. And kids too, you know, we're their biggest role models. So they, they get way more information from what they see us do than what we say. And so if a child sees you being comfortable and in tapping into your intuition and using language around that, um, they're going to naturally follow you and your partner as well. For me, when I first started to awaken my intuition and do all this stuff and some of it, again, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm a research psychologist from an Ivy league, like very, very mainstream. And all of a sudden I'm having all these very woo woo experiences. And my first thought was like, you know, maybe I'm losing it. And I remember talking to my husband and I said, you know, I think this is good. I think that like every day I'm getting to be like more the person I really want to be. But what do you think? And he was very encouraging. he's like, "No, no, this is good <laughs> this is good this is this is definitely working for you and because um, really, as my journey, I've changed from a, a completely new person from opening my intuition, but my encouragement from my husband to saying, "Yeah, I noticed these changes too keep keep going was huge because at first, you know it's new territory, and I was you know." wanting to make sure that it was all heading in the right direction, which I'm now quite confident that it did. So we can support our partners that way by encouraging them and noticing what's working for them. Um, And also, you know, in a conversation with your partner, like give each other time to reflect. Sometimes we jump in and, you know, we want the pace of a conversation to be very quickly or we want someone to answer us right away And respond to us right away. And intuition doesn't always work that way. So giving yourself and your partner space for quiet reflection and, you know, allowing yourself and your partner to sometimes say, hey, I need to, I need to like, you know, sit with this a little bit. I need to meditate on this and then we'll reconvene. That can be huge. That can be really, really huge. I think it's also important to look at ways um, in the relationship where, you know, your emotional needs or your wants or things can sort of um, crush is a, a hard word, but can, can um, weigh heavily on, on the needs, you know, the spiritual needs or the intuitive needs of your partner. So, for instance, in a personal example, I know my husband right now is miserable in his career, but I have gone a long time sort of depending on him and his career as part of our financial stability, but he's miserable. And so I'm working on releasing that for me because I know his intuition is driving him towards a new career and doing something differently. And I want to support him in that because I know it's the right thing for him. You know, so I have to tap into my, I have to clear my fear, tap into my heart, tap into my intuition. And that also gives him permission to do the same. So we can both work on this together.
0: When you're both doing it, it's a beautiful thing because you both, are encouraging each other and you're feeling like what I think is one of the more important things in life is feeling like you're moving towards your true self like your true I don't think we ever exactly. pin it down but that's like the journey and and if you feel stuck in a career that intuitively is just not satisfying we we've all been there most people you know you you, you have to do it but but if you can get on a path, yeah. especially with your partner, that you're moving towards what makes you feel true, um, that's really a, a beautiful place to be. So how can we help our four-year-old? Because I'm, I'm very curious.
2: How can you help your four-year-old? Your four-year-old's at a great point because is it a girl or a boy? A uh, girl. You just wanted to know if I should, which pronoun to use. Um, yeah, she's at a great age because four-year-olds are naturally intuitive. They're still in it. Um, and so there's a lot you can do to, to keep that up with her. One thing is, you know, really, um, and, and your four-year-old who I'm seeing her with my, my sixth sense is really cute. Um, (laughs) you can help her by modeling for her and, and sort of showing your intuition and showing her using that, showing, showing her you're using that. And also um, with four-year-olds in general, but yours in particular, you know, helping them to create space around their strong feelings. So when they get wound up, you know, four-year-olds are still at that age. I don't know about yours, but they're still at that age when they sometimes have tantrums. They sometimes have strong feelings. And how we help them with their strong feelings is really important. Because if we give them space to experience their strong feelings, like a safe container where, you know, they don't necessarily get to destroy the house. But we also teach them to sit with those strong feelings, ride out those waves, and then, you know, they come back and they get a hug and and all is well. If we can walk our kids at that age through the process, we are giving them a gift that will last them for the rest of their lives and help them to find that inner stillness. Um, So that is one thing that you can do when you still have a kid that child that age, is just really hold the space for them if they're having an emotional experience. You can sometimes make suggestions of what, you know, labeling the feeling for them what you think they might be experiencing. But mostly it's just letting them have their feelings without judging them. Without the, judging the feelings, you can definitely rein in certain behaviors if they're not good behaviors. Um, but helping them to be safe with their feelings, know that they're okay, know that there's a full range of experiences, and then help them come back to center and calm down when they're ready. And that can go a long way in a lot of for their emotional health, but especially in tuning into your intuition, because again, it's in that still space that your intuition happens. And when we resist things like our feelings, we tend to build walls around them. And then that's harder to hear the call of our spirit. It's harder to hear, to connect with our inner knowing. And then you can also start to use, you know, term notice when you think she might be tuning into her intuition. A lot of times you know parents think they know best, and of course, we do know a lot of things i've raised i have a a twenty three year old and a almost twenty year old so i've I've done this parenting journey and um you know from from when they were little like that as well and and of course, we know we're the experts on a lot of things that your four year old does not know a lot of things right now, but she is the expert on her own world and her own experience so just keeping that in mind because sometimes we want to tell our kids like, no, you're not, you know, you're way too upset about not getting that toy. No, she's not, you know, it may not be okay for her to scream and break things or, you know, or scribble on the wall cause she's mad at you. Cause those are behaviors that are not cool. Not saying that your child would do that, but, um, but whatever acting out, but, you know, just being really careful not to step on our kids experience by being the masters of their own experience. Um, we are empowering them as they move forward to really know how to listen to themselves.
0: We love that. And definitely want to put that into practice with Stella, our little girl. And before we wrap up Victoria, I just thought it'd be important to highlight some things that you've mentioned, but I think has a ton of influence in our relationships. And that is it blocks, our intuition, but how Outside influences, culture, our family, shape the way we think about ourselves. And I thought about this when you were saying you went to Ivy League school and you know we're doing psychology research. And based on things you said, it kind of that's antithetical to going down the the quote woo-woo path of tapping into your intuition. And you were able to get over that block. But I think so much in how we relate to others and how we think our relationship should be or the way we should think is shaped by what we see in in the world around us. And so if we can get through that chaos, recognize these cultural influences and, and that marriage doesn't look like it looks on a reality TV show and every other movie, um, then we can get closer to what it is that we truly want. Does that make sense?
2: That makes perfect sense. I I don't think I could have said it better. Yeah, I agree 100%. And the word should is usually the opposite of intuition. I mean, you know, there are times when what your soul craves and what you crave deep down inside is the same thing as what society tells you. But a lot of times those things are working against each other um, because there's no one else that can be an expert on your life and what you need. You are always the one and you can pay attention, of course, to other things and what other people think and what other and what society teaches you. But that society can't tell you what you're what's going to make you happy um, and what's going to make you fulfilled and what your path is. So, yeah, absolutely. It's intuition helps you cut through that and, and, you know, live more authentically and follow the path, the relationship that's going to uniquely work for you. And that can change too. So that's the nifty thing about intuition is our minds tend to want to make truths and, you know, that are going to stay forever. Um, But, you know, people change, experiences change. Intuition comes from the present moment. So it'll give you the information, what do I need now? What's going to work for me now? And tomorrow that could be different, but that's okay. Because the only question you really have to answer is, you know what what does my soul need now you know what's going to serve me at this moment in time and intuition is the perfect uh, vehicle for getting that information it's actually the only vehicle for getting that information
1: well thank you so much victoria for chatting about intuition with us today this is the first time we've talked about it on the show so it was a very cool perspective to to take into the relationship. So thank you. And, um, as we wrap up, can you tell our listeners where they can find more information about you online and then
2: we'll say goodbye. Absolutely. Um, I have two websites for the two different things that I do. I have a counseling website, um, for people that are interested in that piece of the puzzle. Um, and I'm licensed in the state of Connecticut and that is Victoria Shaw and I also uh, do coaching and parent coaching and parent consulting and intuitive readings to people all over the globe. And my information about that work is on my website, victoriashotintuitive.com. And um, I also have a newsletter and a blog. So if people are interested in that too, on either of those websites, you can uh, click and sign up for that.
0: Excellent. Well, our listeners can find all of those links in the show notes and on our website at idupodcast.com And thank you again so much for coming on the show, Victoria.
2: Thank you so much. This was so much fun. I really appreciate it. Hi guys, we hope you enjoyed
1: today's episode. As always, all the links are in the show notes page as well as on the podcast description. And while you're on our website, we encourage you guys to check out our 14-Day Happy Couple Challenge. We send you an email for 14 days with simple doable challenges to help strengthen and improve your relationship. And on our website, we also have a bunch of free resources for your relationship. So we encourage you to check those out. Uh, we also have our Love Tribe on Facebook. Uh, we encourage you guys to join the tribe and uh, be there for support for each other. If you have questions or just need some relationship advice, slash unlock and you can unlock that special offer and learn more as always thank you guys so much and we'll see you next week